before. Oh my god, they're so good. It's just a Milky Way without like the nougat in it, which like I like both, but I love caramel. I do love so. caramel, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, Milky Way is just caramel. It's like, amazing. Keep your pumpkin spice shit. Anything salted caramel, it's my jam. <laughs> I don't, I've actually never had, well, to my knowledge, I've never had anything like salted caramel flavor, so I don't know if I like it. I'll see if I can find something. Um... I, th- I feel like you would like it because it is probably something along those lines. They're like little uh, square chocolates with like salted caramel mm. inside. They're really good. They were my introduction to salted caramel things, and nice. I have since fallen in love. So perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> Shall we? Yes. Hi, friends. Sup, nerds. Uh, welcome to another episode of Shit. Should I, I think, think is cool. cool? Yeah, we got it. It's <laughs> probably not going to sound good. that well when we actually play Probably back, not, but, but that was pretty good. <laughs> for us, it sounded great. For us, that was pretty good. Yeah. I'm Whitney. I'm Megan. And we're your hosts. And we're, yeah. we're kind of back from a little bit of a clusterfuck. Uh, technology, I'm awake. Yeah, the technology <laughs> meets anxiety, meets uh, sleepiness, and... Stress and anxiety and... yeah. Sleep deprivation. Yeah. We are post-election, post-Biden victory, pre-potential second war, uh, <laughs> civil war in the United States. So we're in a nice sweet spot where we're still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. This week's going to be yeah. kind of a fun week. I mean, I'm, I, don't yeah. know what you, I don't know what your topic is. That's whole, the whole premise. Um, <laughs> but my topic's pretty fun. I think you'll enjoy it. I think mine's super fun, too. Cool. I mean, like, whenever I say it, I feel like you're going to be like, what the fuck? But it's <laughs> really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, your last day at work is on Friday. It is. That's exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm getting nervous. Like, I know it's like, like, I know that I am excited and like, this is going to be a good change. But as I've said before, me and change don't get along very well, so I'm starting to like panic a little bit, yeah. but it'll be fine. Well, we'll Everything distract be you fine. plenty because I yes. mean, our coworkers have planned a lovely event. This is very close to my face. <laughs> um, our coworkers have planned a lovely happy hour, virtual happy hour, because again, COVID. COVID. <laughs> um, and even though I can't make it, we have a, a fun happy hour. Our, yes. our, our damn selves mm-hmm. and we have recording and someone asked me today um even it, it even like the fact that you're leaving are we still going to do our podcast and i was like <gasps> yeah yeah it's, we can still do it virtually yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that hasn't changed we do it we've yeah. done it only virtually so far exactly uh, yeah and like we'll just we might just have to record on different days depending on what my schedule is yeah we'll have to figure it out because normally we record on mondays but uh, that's currently in a in an institution where we work nine to five. Yeah, that won't be the case next week. So, yeah. Although it is currently. Don't tell people that. I that <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we record after five. We record after five every time. Yeah. It is five thirty nine p.m. Perfect. <laughs> um. Because I, I know co- some coworkers listen. To yeah, me. I'm sorry. That's no, fine. Full on puppy energy. Yes. Which is lovely because mm-hmm. it, is, it is needed. Speaking yeah, the of moment puppy, I met him, I was like, I like you, and that does not happen. It takes yeah. me a very long time to warm up to people, but I immediately, it I is, immediately yeah. liked him. Exactly. Um, but yeah, speaking of puppies, Archie is here per usual. Yeah, Archie's Archie's having a good time. Um, yeah, Megan this... did take away the loud. 
Dead. I took away the bone, but he brought me Totoro, and I forget if I've ever shown you his Totoro toy, but I've never since... I've it before. Okay, well, it used to have, like, the Totoro fluff on it, but he did destroy it, and now it's just the inside, which is, like, really creepy looking. It is terrifying. <laughs> it but it is Totoro. Like a, uh, it looks like um, something that should be in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, that's so accurate. I'm going to take a picture of it. Yeah. Um, it had fluff on it? Yes, yeah, it was, like, that. fully covered. It was super cute. Like, it was really, really... Uh, uh, it's set. definitely terrifying. Are you... There you go. I got a picture. Oh, good boy! He... How did you catch that? Anyway, it's really heavy. And, uh, yeah, I got a picture of it with Archie in the background. Oh, he's like, I want it. I want it now. <laughs> I want it now. Um... Archie, drop it. Drop it. Totoro's staying up here with your bone. Eat the, eat, the, eat the bacon one. It's quiet. Yeah, there is. Take the bacon bone. It is what it is. <laughs> uh. It's a, like a really nice, like solid rubber bone that I don't know why. He, it's never been his favorite. Mm. He destroyed his puppy teething bone. He still loves that thing. We keep saying we need to get rid of it because he is like slowly eating it. it yeah. 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 But he loves it. And it's really cute because he holds it between his paws and it like sticks straight up and he and just like gnaws on it like a lollipop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah. Like little uh, spikes. Like, my hair's not much better, so I can't tell. No, you're good. Because I, I showered and put a hat on. I did. I put a shower. I, I did, a, like, a hair mask um, mm -hmm. conditioner situation. And so I, like, slicked my hair back just so it could dry and not be in my face. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it takes a while once you do that because it's hydrated. Um. But now it's like, it's starting to dry <laughs> and fall. And I feel like, I, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like Devin saw circa, circa 1993 Casper. Like that. that Who? Devin Sala. Who's Devin? He was in, um, he was the, the boy, the, the live action version of Casper. Okay. Got it. I've guy. actually never seen the movie, but I've seen enough reference images that I do know who you're talking about now. Casper? Yeah. No, I'm just like, even I grew up watching the cartoon. Oh, you know, I know. I watched the cartoon, and I just like, I still have no desire to watch the live action one. It's pretty good. Um, it's really cute. Um, but it's, I mean, it's Bill Pullman. But yeah, so that's that's the vibe, is like the early 90s heart, teen heartthrob, blonde mm -hmm. tips, um, <laughs> Like part, part of yeah. the middle, kind of. like down the middle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I got you now. So that's it's that's kind of like the vibe. Uh, you look like someone, but I mean names, like famous people names. Never right. mind, just ignore me because I have no idea. I I, I I couldn't even direct you, honestly. <laughs> that's not... you look like you belong in a boy band from the nineties. Yes, that is that's the vibe that mm -hmm. I got going on. I don't know. I have to re I have to deal with this soon, but my like my grays are showing oh no this would be like a, an excellent uh sponsorship for madison reed oh my god yes you pay madison us money reed. we'll talk about you um <laughs> i'm just i'm getting a haircut it. on saturday are you yeah because i want my hair to be fresh for that, my for my first day you gotta feel good mm -hmm. gotta feel good yeah it's it's not, like, unmanageable right now, but it's going to be getting to that point really soon, and I would rather just... Start fresh. Chop it. Yeah, yeah. chop it and not worry about it for a while. Yeah, when I started working at the museum, my hair was down 
to like here. Oh my god! And I t- chopped it to here, and it's been. I, I've had a hard time getting it past this this point, like my mm-hmm. like my chin, neck area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm determined. I'm determined to do it. Uh, the last time I did it was for my sister's wedding because I wanted to be able to do something with my hair. Mm-hmm. And I immediately chopped it all off. And I shaved it <laughs> twice and dyed it all to hell. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. My hair's really soft right now. Ooh. Um, yeah. Mine's soft too because there's nothing in it and I just washed it. Yeah. So like, there's no product. So, so basically my hair is currently a mop, but it's, it's very soft. It's very cute. <laughs> You're always thanks. cute. Thanks. Aw, thanks. Um, shall we? This sure. be a short banter. I don't really have a lot of banter other than I'm yeah, exhausted no, it's because fine. I'm also recording a an audiobook. Yeah. <sighs> it's you. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, let me read you an excerpt that I I enjoyed. I had to reread this section anyway because I struggled mm-hmm. with it. It's it's nice because they just go section by section. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and I did not write this. This is just how this was written, and I struggled with it because I was like, what the fuck? The English word ethics comes from the ancient Greek word that translates into the English word habits. The word began to take on its current meaning when it was used by by the Greek philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle? (laughs) In his book, The the, the Nicomachean Ethics. But it's like, how many times have you used the word word? Mm Mm-hmm. And how where, where the fuck are you? There you are. Too many windows. Um, and I was like, why? That was really strangely worded. Yes. Uh, they they like they're not authors in the, in the sense of authors. They it, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically a textbook on how to use Got professional it. communications. I'm excited for it because like after I there's this one section I struggled with, so I just skipped it. I'll do it at mm-hmm. the end. Um, so I was just like. The more I get into it, the more fun it becomes. And I'm like, okay, this is, like, I get it. It's just, mm-hmm. but I, it's my job to make it, like, interesting, ent- understandable and entertaining enough that mm-hmm. you're not just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, over in the corner. Mm-hmm. I almost mimed the whole thing. And I was like, you're the only one that can see me. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Just Yeah, it. I really liked that you actually had your eyes open when it's you were doing that. It was very creepy. <laughs> I cannot get over this hair situation. It's so bad. Um, Jesse McCartney. That's who you look like. Ooh, yeah. It I just lo- came to me. I look like I look like um, Nick Carter. Yes, uh-huh. yes. I that like actually that might be that might be who I actually. That was the the quintessential. He and Devin Saw had the same like situation um, with the hair. There's. I'll send you a TikTok later. There's this girl who had her like Gen Z. Um, younger sister and her friend uh, rate teen heartthrobs from the 1990s. It's, oh my god. It's so funny. Because they're just oh like, ooh, god. the hair ain't it, and it was this hair. <laughs> yes! Oh my god. It's so funny. Oh my god, you do look, yes, Nick Carter is who I actually meant. I just looked up a picture. It's perfect. Yeah. That is I'll exactly take, who you I'll look like. I'll take a like. picture. Hold on. Yes. I'll t- I'll, I will include it. Good. In, in, our, in our recap of, of this episode. Stand by. Oh yeah, sexy. This is why I'm single. Because <laughs> I look like a boy heartthrob from the nineties. Hey, that's what I strive for. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> this is not my look. Oh my god. Okay. 
shall we on on to the on to the future yes Archie just lay down so we need to take advantage of this (laughs) okay pick a number one through ten five I'm gonna go with nine Mm. pick a number one through ten It's one. Oh, it's one? Yeah, I thought she would announce it. Um, weirdly, like, my phone updated, and now my Siri is different. Um, oh, no. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. Like, when I get a call, it doesn't take up the whole fucking screen. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go first, or you you choose. I was actually going to have you go first. I want to end with mine. Okay. All right. Well, as long as that's okay. That sounds fine. Cool. I was prepared either way. Um, <laughs> I think that's the one thing is, like, Neither of us are weirdly... Well, you're weirdly competitive about random things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of, like, actually who goes first is, like... Oh, yeah, no, I really don't care. Um, but <laughs> I just like this. winning. You know what? <laughs> You'll enjoy this one. It's about a race. <gasps> yeah. Race. Again, I pick them mostly because of you. Um, Because it's it's me telling you. It's not me telling mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people. Because like, I don't see anyone but you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Let me, let me do the scoochie scooch and the... It's good. Nope, that didn't do what I wanted it to do. Nope. 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 I'm struggle bus. Struggle bus. There we go. There we go. Okay. So I'm doing the 1908 the the nineteen oh eight New York to Paris Great Race. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I have not. Well, I'm. I may have heard of this. You may have heard of it, but, but um, so um, my sources are AmesHistory.org and the Smithsonian Magazine. Um, I tried not to use Wikipedia for this because I used it for the the story I did last week, and it was way fucking long. And I was like, <laughs> "There's probably stuff in here that I don't need," but I I used these two different sources. One because the AmesHistory.org story was not super Ameri centric. It, mm-hmm. it focused more on the, the Italian team, which was oh, nice cool. because it was nice to have not because America is not the center of the universe. Um, that is correct. But the Smithsonian one does focus sort of on the American team, but more specifically on like the hero of the American team, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, which I will establish further on. Um, the reason the, the, the one story went with the Italians is because um, they the Italian team had a writer with them so he documented um all of the things that that happened along the way so it's the mm-hmm. most thorough account of the race um cool. from in, within the race so it's great um Oops. paris or bust the great new york race the great new york to paris auto race of 1908 even before there were roads there were men who wanted to drive fast <laughs> i thought that was cute I, like I think that was that. from the Smithsonian one, because I was like, it's just, it's just cute. Uh-huh. It's fun. Um, it's zoom, cool. People zoom. died. It's fun. Um, anyway, the great race in 1908. Did, have I told you it was 1908? Have I mentioned it seven or eight times now? <laughs> um, was an event sponsored by newspaper companies to sell both press and automobiles. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Parisian Daily Le Matin... In conjunction with the New York... I gotta stop picking fucking stories with French. Oh, my God. Um, In conjunction with the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune sponsored a six-car journey from New York to Paris. The race around the world began on February 12th, 1908 in Times Square, which is my sister's birthday. Did it start in 1908? 
It did start in 1908. <laughs> um, this reminds me of, like, I went to London uh, with uh-huh. my mom. No, no my, my mom was not there. With my sister and my dad mm-hmm. in 2007. And mm. um, the one thing, because we did a whole bunch of, like, touristy things, the one thing we learned with the, was that the Great Fire of London was in 1666. <laughs> I remember you telling me this. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it on here before either, but... Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a one thing that I will retain for the rest of my life, that the Great Fire of, of London was in 1666. <laughs> anyway. Uh, February 12th is my sister's birthday. Oh. It's also Lincoln's birthday. Oh. In Times Square that morning, 17 men, including drivers, mechanics, and journalists, crammed into six cars from four countries. Three from France, one each from Germany, Italy, and the United States. A quarter of a million people lined Broadway up to the, up to northernmost Harlem, which is a lot of people, especially now like COVID. That's like a big crowd. I'm like mm, super spreader. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Three Parisian cars: the D- the Dédion, the Mont Block, and the César Nadine. Sure, none of these are how you pronounce them. It's fine. The American Thomas Flyer, the German Protos, and the Italian Zust. Zust. Z-U-S-T. Zust? Zust. All participated, but only three of these would finish. The American entry, this is again, America, American century. Mm-hmm. Um, the American entry, a 60-horsepower touring car called the Thomas Flyer, carried three extra gasoline tanks with the capacity of 125 gallons, and a primitive canvas convertible top. This is key because I think none of these really either have, they, they didn't really have roofs or they had these com- like fabric convertible tops. Interesting. Because in the picture, even of them leaving, which may be because of them leaving, they didn't seem to have a lot of like protection from the elements, which I think is a huge part of the issues. Yeah, that sounds like an oversight. Yeah, well, I think that's just how cars were. I don't know that that's they really true. thought about yeah. like I don't know that anyone I, planned on doing something like this. Because that's true. This was in 1908 after all. Exactly. There were barely even roads. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 1908. But men wanted to drive fast. Did I tell you it's in 1908? <gasps> wow. Okay, I'm glad. I'm just glad I covered it. <laughs> Sorry. I was really tired like a couple hours ago, and now I'm. Now you have a new again. sense of energy. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, enjoy it while you can, because mm-hmm. it may be a hard slog ahead. Okay, the race was scheduled to begin at 11 a.m. when Mayor George B. McClellan Jr., who was the son of the Union Civil War general, George B. McClellan, he's a junior. That makes sense. Um, planned for the fire. Planned to fire the starting pistol, but pistol. But he was characteristically late. <laughs> That it was the one, the part that gave me so much anxiety. I cannot be late for anything. Oh my god! Same. I will like I get freaked out. Even though like the person on the other end might not care, but like I, I I'm like mm-hmm. I'll be an hour early for things just so I'm not late for them. Oh yeah, totally. And like I was already that way, but in college for any sort of field hockey thing, our coach was always said five minutes early is on time. So like, yeah. but then. If five minutes early is on time, that means, like, 15 minutes is early is whenever I would actually get there. Yeah. <laughs> for the it's an- like, I still gotta be early. For the anxious among us. <laughs> exactly. Oh, hello. Why are you yelling at me? Road trip to the... I just got the same email. <laughs> Side Sidebar. Hold on. I didn't read the email, but the answer is no. It's there tomorrow for the Botanic Gardens. You can yeah. go for free. Oh, cool. 
Oh, I guess I could see if Mick wants to go because it is their birthday tomorrow. It's gorgeous. If you go on, yeah, well, it's it's definitely gorgeous, and it's supposed yeah, to be nice. I was there. Tomorrow, I think. Okay, yeah, I was there a little while ago with uh, Mallory and her. Anyway, mm-hmm. okay, so the dude was supposed to do the thing, but he was late because he's fucking late. Um, at a quarter past, railroad financier Colgate Hoyt, fucking toothpaste, name. yeah, uh, snatched the golden gun from the table and shot it into the air. At least he shot it into the air, not into the people. <laughs> could have gone a whole different way. Uh-huh. This could be a whole different kind of story. Sorry, lots of things just happened oh, okay. on the computer. I thought it was, I thought it was me, and I was like, "What's happening?" Um, what am I doing? Okay, the contestants represented an interna- an international roster of personalities. G. Boissier de Saint Chaffre. <sighs> That's the only time his full name is mentioned. Thank God. Perfect. Driving the French de Dion once organized a motorboat race from Marseille to Algiers that resulted in every single boat sinking in the Mediterranean. Fuck! <laughs> that doesn't sound successful. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> His captain was Hans, Hans Hendrik Hansen, a swashbuckling Norwegian who claimed to have sailed a Viking ship solo to the North Pole. Like, these are extreme dudes, right? Oh my god. He declared that his companions would... would his He <laughs> declared that he and his compa- companions would reach Paris or, quote, our bodies will be found inside the car. Oh my god. This dude's extreme. Mm-hmm. It gets funnier. Um, what happens later, but whatever. Frenchman Charles Godard, driving the Moto Block, participated in the Peking to... Peking? Peking. Peking. Peking to Paris race without having driven a car and set an endurance record. How do you drive a car and not drive a car? I guess he never driven before. That makes more sense. Okay. okay. Um, record by driving single-handedly uh, for 24 hours nonstop. Damn. Emilio Sartori. Emilio Sartori, the driver of the Italian Zust, took with him 21-year-old journalist and poet Antonio Scarfoglioli. Scarfoglioli, yeah. No, Scarfoglio. Italian is hard. I know, and the sad part is I do know Italian. Ah. Whatever. I will call him Scarfy. Scarfy! Any, uh, I thought I could pronounce this too, and I was like, I got this. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always how it goes. Scarfoglio. Scarfoglio. Um, who and he had threatened to pilot a motorboat across the Atlantic if his father didn't let him enter the race. His father is a prominent newspaper in Naples, and said, "Yeah, okay, fine, whatever." Antonio Scarfolio was one of three drivers of the Italian team that entered the 1908 New York to Paris <laughs> race. Um, and he's he's the writer I was talking about. Did you know right. that it was in 1908? <laughs> Oh my god, I probably should have taken some of these dates out, but whatever. It's fine. Too far, too far, too far. (gasps) The German entrant driving the Protos was an aristocratic army officer named Hans Koppen, who regarded the race as an opportunity to raise his rank from lieutenant to captain. Apparently, you can do that by doing things outside of the army, okay. Montague, Monty Roberts, manning the Thomas Flyer, was a. 
<laughs> was a gregarious crowd favorite and one of few American drivers who actually trained for races. His teammate was George Schuster, a 35-year-old mechanic for the E.R. Thomas Motor Company in Buffalo, New York. So he actually, his sounds day like job is to work on these, these cars yeah, that they're driving. Yeah, sounds like a solid choice. Yeah. One, he was one of 21 children born to Casper Schuster, a German Holy immigrant shit. who worked as a blacksmith. Right? Oh my God. George was an expert radiator solderer, chassis inspector, motor tuner, and test driver. So like... Solid fucking choice, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. Um, to Roberts, he was an ideal choice, high enough in the factory hierarchy to, to be considered indispensable, but too low to steal attention from Roberts himself. After the starting shot, the cars moved forward. Scarfolio wrote, quote, between, the, between two thick hedges of extended hands amidst roars of a falling torrent, the poet blew a kiss to the crowd, and they were off. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's been real scratchy. Oh, you're good. It's the pre it's the changing temperature. It's been so crazy here recently. Yeah, I went from like normal fall weather, like 40s and 50s, to then like it's today I got up 80. to 80. Yeah, like what the hell? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I woke up this morning, my throat hurt. I was like, shit, I have to, like I, I now rely on my throat for a living. Mm -hmm. My voice for a living. I'm not gonna go this way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, rubbing off on me. Um, Yay! An atlas had been consulted and a very specific course laid out leading from New York west to Chicago and across the prairie. Prairie. Like a little house. With a little <gasps> houses. Little the prairie. I think I used to watch that as a kid. I don't remember any of it. I've seen a couple episodes. Right. The cars would cross the Rocky Mountains in northern Nevada and arrive in San Francisco where they would take a steamship to Seattle. There, they would change ships for Val Valdez, Alaska. I'm pretty sure it's Valdez because the Exxon Valdez crisis, I think, was related mm -hmm. around there. Whatever. If a car lost its lead in waiting for passage on a ship so that other cars caught up, it would be granted its same lead on debarkation and the other cars would be held back. I was just going to ask how that worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, it gets a little confusing later, which we'll get into. But. Okay. The race cars were intended to drive across Alaska and across the frozen Bering Strait, then push across Russia to Europe, to Poland, Germany, France, and then Paris at the Champs-Élysées, the Eiffel Tower. The trip, the trip was estimated at six months. Um, because of the many hazards, the journey across America actually took six weeks instead of the two weeks originally envisioned. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, August Pons, driver of the French Césaire Nadine, dropped out only uh, after only 96 miles because he had a broken differential. No! Yeah. Oh my god. The Dédion and the Zust, the Zust and the Thomas Flyer quickly emerged as the leaders and the Protos and the Moto Block bringing up the rear. A huge fucking empty page after that, so I can go down. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Um, in Hudson, New York, the cars plowed through a foot-deep snow in a single in single file. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Schuster circled the Thomas Flyer, which had no heater or windshield. No! With a, again, it was like, that was, that was just, yeah. like, they didn't have these luxuries in cars that we yeah, have now. Yeah, that makes sense. People didn't have them, and they, this is not mm -hmm. how they were supposed to be used. Um, Schuster circled, circled the Flyer, 
um, which had no heater or windshield, with a stick to check the snow depth and put down planks for traction. The trail out of Auburn, Auburn, which the New York Times described as the worst road in the United States, lived up to its reputation, with the three leading cars getting mired at Dismal Hollow in the Montezuma Swamp. Dismal Hollow. That's a pretty, pretty fucking oh cool my name. God. No, it's, it reminds me of like something you would see in a really dark Candyland. Yes. Yeah. Getting well, stuck in the Dismal Hollow. Not far from here um, is Dead Man's Hollow. Oh, yes. Out near, like, Mickeysport, so. Okay. Somewhere I would like to go for a hike. (laughs) Maybe we should do our ghost hunt there next year. Yes! I want to do another ghost hunt. That was fun. Oh, yeah. I'll look up for more places, and we'll figure out how to do more things. Um, It was so much fun, but being cold and and Mm -hmm. wet was not fun. Um, Also, make us haunted. Um, Yeah. Hashtag ghost adventure. Um, the, where was I? Oh yeah, Montezuma Swamp, okay. Um, the men prepared to camp for the night, but an American guide hired by the Italians came with six horses to pull the cars through. Hmm. Which is kind of nice. Six horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that comes from. I don't know how you get 60 horsepower, though, because that's a lot of horses. I don't know. Um, they settled into a routine, rising at 5 a.m. and driving until 8 p.m. with the mechanics. Did you hear that? It was so tough. Was it? That was Archie. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. He just groaned in his sleep. That's so cute. He does that loud. a lot. Um, they settled into a... Oh, that was really cute. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> they settled into a routine, rising at 5 a.m. and driving until 8 p.m., with the mechanics tinkering with the cars until midnight to repair cracks in the chassis and drain the radi- radiators to keep from freezing. At the time, antifreeze was primarily used to produce explosives. Oh. So, you know, don't light it on fire. (laughs) Uh, They stopped at hardware stores to fill up on gasoline, one bucket full at a time. Seems safe. Uh Uh-huh. The teams forged a tense agreement that they would alternate leadership every five hours, but this, this spirit of cooperation quickly dissolved. Oh, I'm sure. They convinced themselves that an hour or two would make a difference in a six-month race and feared that their opponents would sneak off in the middle of the night. Oh my god. St. Chaffrey took, took to giving imperious orders, quote, When you wish to go into a city ahead of me, you ask me. He then <laughs> told Roberts, who was the American. Mm-hmm. Or no, the American replied, sorry. I can read. Mm-hmm. From now on, you will know that this is a race. Which is a lot nicer than what I would have been. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, French dick. Uh, <laughs> not currently. French people are our friends. Mm-hmm. In some places, the cars res- resorted to riding along railroad tracks when there were no roads. This annoyed the Italians, um, who accused the Americans of cheating because um, they were using railroad, tra- rail- railroad tracks with the aid of a trolley car. Um, so that kind of built up some animosity. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine, like, you're tired, it's cold, you're not really in a protected environment, Mm -hmm. you're exhausted, there are no fucking roads. Sounds horrible. Yeah, this sounds like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And no wonder it took six months. Um, Yeah, they're just driving in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, there's, like, literally, there's no roads, because Who thought this was a good idea? Car company. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the leaders of our uh, oh newspapers. <laughs> a few of the foreign competitors took offense at what the local at the locals whom they perceived as boorish. 
that yeah that mm. yeah that mm. hasn't really changed yeah scarfolio sent off a snide dispatch <laughs> quote I do not like the Americans as a whole, just as I do not like these che the cheesemonger whom a prize in the lottery or a sudden rise in the price of potatoes has made wealthy. <laughs> oh, he's like talking about fake rich people. Like, they just got rich and like, they're tacky. Um, there's it. still too much of the herdsmen about them. Ew. Okay, that's rude. Mm -hmm. End quote. There's a lot more of his quotes, so we're fine. Um, in Indiana... The Moto Block and the Protos teams resented the fact that they had to pay significant sums for aid of horses and men while the Thomas Flyer was swarmed by Hoosiers anxious to volunteer. Mm -hmm. I like that they used the word Hoosiers. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's what they've been called this whole time or if that was like a modern interpretation of it. But they, the, the other teams sent a plea to the president of the Chicago Automo Automobile Club which the Tribune then printed under the headline, Foreigner's Pathetic Appeal. That's rough. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the note began, We are discouraged. The peasants demand $3 per mile for helping us. They charged $5 each to permit us to, permit us to sleep on the ground. Peasants along the way have filled up road dug by leading cars so as to help the Thomas car. Would it be possible to influence public opinion to aid us? guessing it didn't work Probably by, not. yeah by the by march 8th the thomas flyer was leading in julesburg colorado and traveling with a new passenger hans <laughs> hendrik hansen what the norwegian had quit saint chaffrey's team after the de dion got stuck in a particularly bad snow drift oh, no. when hansen the arctic expert failed to extricate it he and the frenchman began to argue <laughs> they agreed to settle the matter with a duel Oh, no. But before they could find their pistols, uh, St. Chaffrey made the executive decision to just fire Hansen. Oh, my God. <laughs> at first, I thought you meant, like, fire at him. I was like, oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You're fired. Get out of here. Um, and I guess the, 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 the... I don't know how the other team found him. Because they would have been behind. I don't know. At some point, they just got him. It's fine. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's nice to have a Viking around. Mm -hmm. um, quote. This is a quote from Hansen. I could go over. I could go a foot over the Siberian route and beat the De Dion car. <laughs> um, he then pledged his allegiance to the American flag, which is creepy. Just a little bit. It's always creepy. It will always be creepy. Yep. No other countries do it. Just yeah. Us. Uh, before leaving Cheyenne, Schuster brought a th bought a thirty-eight caliber Colt with a six-inch barrel, reasoning that it might come in handy. I don't know why that's in here. It doesn't come up anywhere else. And I was like, should I include it? I guess I did. I thought I deleted it. Whatever. <laughs> Apparently, he, did, he decided he needed a gun. Uh, I don't think he would actually need the gun, but we'll get more into other reasons why guns were important shortly. Mm -hmm. um, he continued to sacrifice himself for the journey when no one else could or would, make walking 10 miles in the dead of night to find gasoline and navigating the car out of gullies they couldn't avoid. Like, this guy's holding the team together. Mm -hmm. His acumen kept uh, the car running through blizzards, freezing temperatures, and sandstorms. America's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah. At each night, at each overnight stop, he repaired the fresh damage and readied the flyer for the next leg of the journey. 
He was so unheralded that newspaper reports frequently misspelled his name when they bothered to mention him at all. Oh, no. Yeah, that sucks, right? He got Mike Wazowski'd. Yeah, Mike Wazowski. Mm-hmm. Mike Wazowski. Um, <laughs> there was at one point where that was a very huge costume in the, in the world of children for Halloween. And uh, <laughs> there was this little boy who would come in with his little uh-huh. Mike Wazowski costume on. And it was so fucking cute. Um... Because just the green eyeball on the on the baby's chest and they have a yes. little hat. And it's just the cutest fucking thing. It's Aww. the simplest thing, but so yeah. cute. Yeah. Oh, so cute. Um, by the time the Americans left Wyoming, they were leading by two states. Damn. Yeah. The Italians were starting across Nebraska from Omaha. Uh, one night in the Rockies... The Italians losing its, uh, the Zeus lost its traction and on the falling snow and had to slow down to basically a crawl. Sartori and his two companions were making what progress they could when they thought they heard children crying in the night. Oh no. But it couldn't have been. They weren't around anyone. Oh god. It's haunted. Within a few minutes, they saw forms moving around the car. And as they crept along, they realized that a, ba- that a pack of about 50 wolves... Was circling the car and circling f- faster and closer. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say it was like an elk or something. Nah, no, it's fucking wolves. Oh my so god. Much worse. Was it f- <sighs> the car couldn't speed up on the snow uh, and or hope to outrun the wolves uh, because of cars weren't made for this. Mm-hmm. Cars were not made for this. I don't know why anyone Mm-mm. decided this was a good idea. Sartori blew the horn, which failed to intimidate the animals. He turned the car's spotlight on them without any effect. Then, after stopping the car, he and his teammates sprang into the trunks of the sprang, sprang into the trunks in the back and took out their rifles, which they turned on a few of the wolves. Some of the surviving wolves immediately devoured the dead ones, but others Aww. kept circling, so the men blasted away until their ammunition ran out. At which point. Luckily, the remaining wolves ran away. Good job, wolfies, yeah. ran away. So while the other team didn't need the gun, these guys did. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, St. Chaffrey was in Iowa, awaiting parts for the De Dion, while Lieutenant Copen and the Protos and Charles Goddard of the Moto Blanc were just entering Iowa. The Moto Blanc was having mechanical trouble, trouble although Goddard was loath to dis- disclose specifics. So he was like, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, desperate, he decided, in violation of the rules, to ship his car to San Francisco by <gasps> railroad. No! He did abandon the idea when a photographer caught, at, caught him in the act. Um, Goddard then received a cable from the owner of his car uh, to say, quit the race, sell the car, and come home. He was out of the race. Oh my god. That's what you get for cheating. Oh my god. Was he caught just like putting his car on a train like Probably. how did he think that was gonna work i don't know i'm like wondering what his what his thought process was because there were yeah. people paying attention yeah everywhere. and it's a car yeah. and a train it's yeah. big and i'm sure it was in all of the newspapers because yeah. it's a huge thing yeah yeah stupid it was stupid oh my god <sighs> anyway uh in wyoming the land was more open which meant that it was a little easier, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Without roads, though, the cowboys usually uh, hopped alongside for a chat. Yeah. Um, Harold Brinker, uh, at this point, was driving the Thomas Flyer from Utah through Nevada, 
and around the border to Death Valley, arriving in San Francisco the third week of March, 900 miles ahead of its closest competitor, the Zeus. The Zeus. Mm -hmm. Factory whistles sounded and automobile drivers blew their horns on Market Street. Quote, the record of the Thomas Carr from New York to San Francisco was remarkably was a remarkable feat, the New York Times concluded. Many skeptics declared that the New York to Paris race, racers started out from New York in the dead of winter that none of them would get across Wyoming until summer. Some say some that they would not reach some said that they would not reach Chicago and a few that they could not cross New York State. Well, one guy didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the Americans prepared to ship the flyer on a freighter to Seattle. After a two-day trip there, it would be transferred to a cargo ship headed for Valdez, Alaska. Brinker begged Schuster to let him continue with the team, even as an assistant, but the mechanic refused. It was finally his car and his turn. Mm. So it's his, his, finally, he gets to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday, April 8th, the flyer touched Alaskan soil. The entire population of Valdez came out to welcome them, most of whom, a few of whom, only a few had ever seen a car. Oh, Words wow. are hard. <laughs> um, Schuster started to scout, like, the best way to cross the strait, um, because that's why they actually left in February, so that they would still be frozen by the time they got there. Right, yeah, you did mention that. Um, the o- What he concluded was the only way across it would be to take apart the car and ship the parts by dog sled across the strait. Oh, my God. Yeah. Balto. Yeah. What year did that happen? Probably around the same time. 1908. (laughs) The Parisian Race uh, Committee abandoned the idea um, and directed the Americans to return to Seattle. Their new plan called for cars to sail to Vladivostok and drive to Paris from there. While the Americans were still at sea, their competitors, including the ever-troubled Protos, which is the German German car, uh, arrived in Seattle and set sail for Russia. Then the Americans lost time getting their Russian visas in order. Because, why not? <laughs> the flyer had been the first to arrive in the Pacific coast, but now was the last to leave, a few weeks behind the competition. Shouldn't they have, like, figured out the visa issue before? <laughs> I don't think they were supposed to go through Russia at all. Oh, okay. Maybe okay. they were. Hold on. I did talk about the race. <laughs> Uh, change ships in Valdez. Oh, they were supposed to go across Russia. Yeah, so no, they should have figured it out before. Apparently. <laughs> they did not. Um, yeah, okay, okay, I'm back. I'm back where I was. Okay. Their new plan... La 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 la. While the Americans were still at sea, they lost time in Russia, the flyer had been the first to arrive and now was the last to leave. This was when the race committee made another decision. In recognition that the flyer lost time detouring through Alaska, the American team was given the allowance of 15 days, which meant that the Zust and the De Dion would could beat the flyer into Paris by two weeks and still lose. So, because they arrived so far ahead of the other mm-hmm. people they had they lost time going up to alaska and then they all arrived in russia at the same time 
the committee gave them that time back, which is kind of nice. Got it. Yeah, that is. Um, the Protos, meanwhile, would be penalized 15 days for resorting to the... T- for resorting to the train from Ogden to Seattle. The committee didn't disqualify Lieutenant Copen entirely, concluding that there had been some honest confusion, unlike in Goddard's case about Got the it. 15 days, though. That's a lot. But that's I mean, long... six months is also a lot. Oh, so. that's true, yeah. In yeah. the grand scheme of things. It is possible. There's still a lot of land to cover, too, because Russia's a fucking big country. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah. In Russia, the racers were advised to give up and take the Trans-Siberian Railway. Not to be confused with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yes. Are they from... I always think they're from Reykjavik. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> we're not uh, useful sources of information. But the Trans-Siberian no. Orchestra is about to enter, the, enter their heyday, because this is the time of year where they shine. Yeah. Scarfolio. Scarfy. Yeah, Scarfy. The Italian guy reported that, quote, great men of the Russian government, all covered with gold lace, outlined, me- outlined the many reasons the venture would fail. We shall be met on the road by Chinese brigands, Mer- Manchurian tigers, fever, plague, pestilence, famine, to say nothing of the mud after three months of rain, Mosquitoes as big as locusts and similar and other similar delights. <laughs> delights. This guy gets sarcasm. He's got it down. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The drivers agreed to start even uh, again, evenly matched. Um, with one day to spare, George Schuster searched for a supply of gasoline, which was scarce in Siberia. Again, cars are not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, back at his hotel, he received a note summoning him to Saint Shaffrey's room. When he arrived, he saw the Italian team was already there. <sighs> According to the Frenchman, there is no petrol. There are no means of getting any. What there is is in my possession, and I offer it to the car which will take me on board. The Italians left the room in disgust, and St. Chaffrey tried to reason with the Americans, stating that he could get a seat on the German car, but the flyer was sure to beat the Protos into Paris, and he wished to be on the first car to arrive. So he's basically bribing them to get on their car. Got it. And it's gross. Gross. It's gross. Because he could, yeah. He added, quote, it would not look well for a Frenchman to ride on a German machine. True. That, like, later would come into full mm-hmm. force in yeah. just a few years. Mm-hmm. Schuster calmly said he'd think about it, but he was pissed. Ha! <laughs> Uh, privately, he told his team that he'd rather stay in Vladivostok for the rest of his life than accept St. Shaffrey's bribe. Mm-hmm. That Vladivostok must be awful. <laughs> uh, without fanfare, St. Shaffrey uh, transferred the rights to his gasoline to the Italian team, but was not allowed to join. His sponsor, the Marquis Jules Albert de Dion, had decided that he was finished and made him the Oh, no. Yep. Bye. I wonder where the Norwegian. I wonder if the Norwegian guy's still hanging out. They don't talk about him anymore. Got it. Um, tragedy would then befall the Italian team. Who <gasps> oh, knows? Dear Tarajan, a Russian frontier village. Two small children were playing near the road. 
A passing horse-drawn cart was startled by the sound and the z- oh, that no. the and the zust of the zust and and takes flight. Scarfolio writes, the wheels of the cart bumped more violently over a little heap of rags, and the cart disappeared in dust. No. On the ground, huddled on its left side, with a fair hair co- fair head covered in sand and blood, the little body remains dead. The Italians picked up the child and placed him gently, as gently as possible, as though unwilling to disturb his sleep, in the hinder part of the machine, on a heap of furs, and then covered him to hide him from their eyes. The Italians stopped at Terrigen to report the accident to local police, having to awaken the chief. After relating the account of what happened, the police chief responded that he had received an earlier report from the cart driver, saying that it was the motorists that killed the boy. Uh-oh! For three days, Scarfolio and Haga, who, they, this is the only time they mention him, mm-hmm. found themselves in a Russian jail cell, surrounded oh. by 14 other prisoners, while the investigation of the incident continued. Much of their time was spent on a wooden bench in a cell in the corner, never speaking a word. Finally, on the fourth day, they were, they were released with the apologies of the police chief. Scarfolio described his encounter with some Russian soldiers who took pity on their wretched appearance. They offered shelter and some from the rains and some food. Um, not having eaten since the prior day, Scarfolio and Haga ate like wolves, happy in the mere animal pleasure of swallowing. <laughs> I did I did the same thing. <laughs> Power to the poles, yes. I'm mm-hmm. um the they were on, they went on to encounter vast waveless oceans of the Siberian tundra mud. Oh. Uh, uh. Yeah, it sounds awful. Mm-hmm. This is why they have prisons in in Siberia cuz it's not pretty. Mm-mm. It's just a lot of desolation. I think like 10 people live there, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh never in the depths of the desert or the valley according to Scarfolio. When our tongues were swollen with thirst and our bows and our brows throbbed with fever, had we ex- <laughs> the taint just changed it. Brows, not, not sorry, bowels. I got that really big difference. Yep. <laughs> and our bows, brows throbbed with fever. <laughs> and our brows oh. throbbed with fever. Had we experienced such a, such a complete and painful sense of solitude? <sighs> Rough. They became mired in a swollen river at 3.30 a.m. early one morning. They were helplessly stuck watching the river rise, um, first to the chassis, then to the floorboards, and then submerging the engine. Oh, no. Drowned cattle started to float by, bumping the car. No! They finally decided to leave the Zust and flip the coin. Scarfolio would swim towards the west, Haga to the north, and their Siberian guide to the east. Then the water suddenly stopped rising. By 6.30 a.m., the water was below the engine. Finally, they were able to restart the engine and continue on their journey. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty... After the kid, I've probably been like... Oh, yeah. Okay. So. So the Zoost, they're back on track. They're, they're, mm-hmm. mo- they're motoring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Perm, Russia, Schuster received a telegram from the Thomas factory in Buffalo. 
quote, Do you want us to send Montague Roberts to help you when you get on the good roads of Europe? Schuster was so mad that he could have eaten nails, as he put it, <laughs> and sent an, sent an immediate reply. July 9th, arrived today. Expect to reach Paris on July 24th. Schuster. The suggestion that he, wasn't, that he was good enough to drive the flyer through the bogs of Siberia, but not through the capitals of Europe, impelled him, despite deadened nerves and aching limbs. He was now only a day ahead of the Protoss and, de and determined to maintain his lead. Mm -hmm. There was just one problem. Uh-oh. Schuster kept getting lost. No! There aren't any fucking roads. <gasps> the Russians couldn't understand hand signals, and the Americans mm -hmm. couldn't understand Russian. Oh, my God. One wrong turn cost them 15 hours. <gasps> oh, my God. Worse, the flyer sunk into a mud hole and needed a day's worth of repairs. Oh my god. Schuster heard that Lieutenant Copen had left St. Peter Petersburg the same day and was on his way to securing a three-day lead. The Italians remained 3,000 miles behind. Oh. There was no way at this point. Oh, yeah. Four days in, in a gulag. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They, they, they weren't you're done. at that point. Yeah. Um, okay. At 6.15 on Sunday, July 26th, Five and a half months and twenty-one thousand nine hundred and thirty-three miles. Veterans Day is tomorrow. No. Oh yeah, Veterans Day is tomorrow. Yeah, it is. Interesting. I just had an alarm. Um, side note. Sorry. Um, at six fifteen p.m. on Sunday, July twenty-sixth. Five and a half months after 21,933 miles from the start in Times Square, Lieutenant Copen arrived in Paris, slowly guiding the protos down the Boulevard Poissonnier. Are you impressed with my pronunciation? Yes. I've heard Poissonnier before. That was very good. Okay. The delegations... The delegation of editors from La Matine greeted him with tepid enthusiasm and served <laughs> a cold buffet at his reception. No, that's so sad. At the same time, Schuster was having breakfast in the Imperial Automobile Club of Berlin, where several people congratulated him on his good showing. He didn't bother to explain that the Protos would ultimately be docked two weeks for using the train in the American West and that the flyer was allotted two extra weeks for attempting the trip to Alaska. Schuster had in a month had a month in which to get to Paris and still win the race. Oh my god. Schuster and his crew arrived on July 30th, the flyer making its way through the lines of lighted cafes and crowds shouting wildly, Viva la car American! They cruised toward the Place de l'Opera. L'Opera. Place de l'Opera. Whatever. L'Opera? Yes. L'Opera? L'Opera. Is it like opera with an L? Yeah. Yeah. L'Opera. Cool. Uh, where, in front of the Café de la Paix, de la Paix uh, a gardam stopped the car. <laughs> you are under arrest, he declared. You have no lights on your car. Stop. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh it's just god. one fucking thing after another in this goddamn race. Uh, a crowd of Americans rushed from the cafe and tried to explain, but the officer waved them away. 
The law was the law. A car had to have a headlight oh on the streets God. of Paris at night, or the driver was to be placed under arrest. Oh my God. A quick-thinking man on a bicycle rode up to the car, jumped off, deposited his bike, which had a headlight, and the fly, uh, which had a headlight in the flyer next to Schuster. Problem solved. The guard, yes. the guard dom stepped aside. Yes. Schuster graciously insisted that Monty Roberts be present for the flyer's triumphant return to Times Square on August seventeenth, nineteen o eight. This is did you know? Oh my god, I did. After the accolades and parties died down, he returned to his job at the Thomas factory, where he was promised employment as long as the company was in business. Nice. Five, yeah, five years later, the Thomas company collapsed and all oh. its goods were auctioned off. Oh no! Lot number 18, 1829 was listed simply as the famous New York to Paris racer. That is the story of the 1908 New York to Paris great race. That was really fucking cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I think, I feel like I have, like, heard about it, but I've never heard the whole story. That was really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot mm -hmm. involved in it, and some of them I've never, some of those stories i never heard before, like the Italian, stuff that happened to the Italians. I'd never Damn. heard that before. I think I've only ever heard it from the American side. Like, right, it's right. about the American team because every like the Americans won, so yeah. why write about anyone else? But, exactly. It doesn't yeah. matter. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Italians it went through some shit. I feel really bad. I know, I do too. I'm sure they were devastated. Uh <sighs> anyway. Your turn. Yay! Okay. <laughs> so I I don't even remember how I decided on this topic um but i'm gonna be talking about spontaneous human combustion <laughs> that makes perfect sense <laughs> and i will tell you why why okay i can't tell you why but it just makes perfect sense okay because no, I, even when you were even like honestly i don't even know like it just it fits with like the mm -hmm. things you find interesting yep and have found interesting so far yep. but also when you said that i was like have you said that before and i feel like we must have had a conversation about spontaneous who knows at some point. who knows we probably could have we talk about the most random goddamn things mm -hmm. um spontaneous human confession okay. yes so my resources are Wikipedia, LiveScience.com, History.com, Britannica.com, and HowStuffWorks.com. So they have a podcast. Oh, really? Oh, look at that. Okay, so spontaneous human combustion (SHC) is the concept of the combustion of a living or recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition. The Danish antonomist Thomas. Bartholin has been credited with penning the first written account of spontaneous human combustion. In 1663, he described how a woman in Paris went, quote, went up in ashes and smoke, end quote, while she was sleeping. The straw mattress on which she slept was unmarred by the fire. In 1673, a Frenchman named Jean uh, Jonas Dupont published a collection Megan yes. finally had French in her story. I know! Um, it's really... I was going to say this before, but you were, like, on a roll, but every, 
It's really ironic that I'm like the French person on here, considering I almost failed French every single year I've ever taken it. So you speak more than I do. I know. I'm really not good at it. <laughs> really I just know how to like pronounce things, kind of. But I'm still very American. But yeah. I try. And my sister pronounces like she took Spanish for like her entire like AP Spanish for her entire mm-hmm. uh, high school career. And she still says, like, hola. Oh, so, my God. I love it. She knows how to do it. She just chooses not to. Mm-hmm. It's just a choice. It's like, what happened? Fine. Continue. Thank you. Um, okay, so a, uh, in 1673, a Frenchman named Jonas Dupont published a collection of spontaneous human combustion cases in his work. Or it just, uh, sorry, it's just spontaneous combustion cases. I think it's the same thing. In his work, De Incendie Corporis Humani Spontaneous, which is, I think, actually in Latin. Um, what's Rio doing? I don't think he's doing anything. Uh, I do hear some odd tapping. I don't know what that is. It's weird. It's really loud. <laughs> um, um, okay, sorry. Oh, no, you're I fine. really did think it was him for a second, but I don't see mm-hmm. him, so... Uh, the hundreds of alleged SHC accounts since that time have followed a similar pattern. The victim is almost completely consumed, usually inside his or her home. Coroners at the scene have sometimes noted a sweet, smoky smell in the room where the incident occurred. There's something peculiar, peculiar about many of the photos that document suspected SHC victims. In a number of these shots, the corpse's torso and head are charred beyond recognition, but some extremities remain intact, with the hands, feet, and or parts of the legs being apparently unburned. Also, the room around the person may show minimal fire damage, though a greasy residue is sometimes left behind on furniture and walls. Reports have also been made about spontaneous human combustion victims who didn't simply burst into flames. These individuals are said to have developed strange burns on their bodies with no obvious source. Spontaneous human combustion is also a mystery with an impressive literary degree. Herman Melville and Nicolai Gogol used it to kill off characters in their novels Redburn and Dead Souls, respectively. But the most notorious case in fiction is Bleak House by Charles Dickens, where the sleazy alcoholic junk merch Oh yeah, junk merchant. Okay, I thought it said drunk, and I was like, what? Um, That's a different... Yeah, I guess alcoholic came right before it, so it doesn't need to be alcoholic drunk merchant. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Anyway, where this is the alcoholic junk merchant, (laughs) Mr. Crook ends up as a heap of ashes on the floor and a quote, end quote, a dark, greasy coating on the wall (coughs) and the ceiling, end quote. In the preface to the book edition of Bleak House, written after the novel had already been published in serial form... Dickens defended his use of spontaneous combustion against accusations of implausibility, citing several famous cases and the judgments of eminent medical doctors that such a thing was indeed possible. Quote, I shall not abandon the facts, he concludes with typical Dickensonian. Dickensonian. Yeah, that's what I thought it would be, but it's just Dickensian. 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 Dickensian! Thank you. Oh my god. I get you. If I had read this, if I had done the story last week, I would have gotten next. I remember reading it and yeah, being like, I'm going like, to nail this. I'm well, going to get it. In that in that excerpt I read, I had to look up the pronunciation of Aristotle's book. Yes! Because I was like, I don't fucking know. I tried to do it, and I was like, no, I have to do this. No. 
Um, I shall not abandon the facts, he concludes with typical Dickensian panache, until there shall have been a considerable spontaneous combustion of the testimony on which human occurrences are usually received. Descriptions of SHC date back to the 17th century, with a large number of cases recorded in the 19th century and a handful in the 20th and 21st centuries, although there are a few hundred recorded possible cases. Although the scientific support for spontaneous human combustion was weaker than Dickens stated, it was a widely discussed phenomenon at the time. The public largely accepted it as a reality on moral grounds. The victims were often alcoholic and overweight and were more and more were female than male, so there was a general perception that it was a kind of retribution for a debauched lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, so you and I are going to burst into flames, essentially. As we should. Yeah, as everyone um, should. As we can tell, the misogyny is still very strong. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's very strong with this. Uh, this this idea was reinforced by lurid newspaper accounts of suspected cases. It made intu- intuitive senses. No, it made intuitive sense after all that a body saturated with a flammable substance, alcohol, would become flammable. Yes. So here are some n- notable real-life quote examples with lots of air quotes. Um, on uh, July 2nd, 1951, Mary Reeser, a 67-year-old woman, was found burned to death in her house after her landlady realized that the house's doorknob was unusually warm. The landlady notified the police, and upon entering the home, they found Reeser's remains completely burned into ash with only one leg remaining. The chair she was sitting on in was also destroyed. Um, during the investigation, detectives found that Reeser's temperature was around 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit, which puzzled the investigators, as almost everything else in the in the room in reach. <clears throat> what? As almost everything else oh. in the room within reach. Yeah, there's def- definitely a word missing. Yeah. Um, as almost everything else in the room within reach of Reeser was found. Uh, this is written very horribly, was found intact. You do find uh, that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a really... Everything else has been fine. That sentence was just really fucked up. Sometimes we just don't fix those things because we don't read closely enough. But um, mm-hmm. there was, in, even in my story, I think in the Smithsonian one, there was a really weird um, misplaced P that changed the word from something to pooped it was just ah. pooped and it was like <laughs> yeah like this that was just weird i feel like it was two different sentences that got combined into one and they just like didn't get edited properly because it was very strange oh i got it yeah anywho uh research took sleeping pills and was also a smoker a common theory was that she was smoking a cigarette after taking the pills and then fell asleep while still holding the burning cigarette which could have ignited her gown ultimately leading to her death Investigators also found that the fire had burned a socket, which stopped the clock at 2.26 a.m., suggesting that she had died at around that time. Reasonable. Which is really interesting. Like, I would, I'm, uh, this is, I, don't, I feel like this is going to sound stupid, but like, like whenever you do, like, I think it's just interesting how, like, it's going to sound so stupid, how, like, if, like, if a clock stops, like, at that time, then without even having to, like think about it you're like oh this happened at this time because it stopped i mean you obviously right. still have to do like research and stuff to make sure it's right but i just think it's interesting yeah well i think it's interesting that the fire was hot enough to mm-hmm. burn her like to burn human remains but mm-hmm. didn't 
burn down the rest of the room that she exactly was in. yep it was just her and like and it, her chair that's not a that's not a small thing like mm-hmm. if a fire is hot enough to burn human remains to the point of like there's nothing left mm-hmm. it has to be really fucking hot and that whole building would have gone down yeah exactly um okay next one just, margaret just hogan some information about our our dark other interests about exactly people death it's fine <laughs> Margaret Hogan. Uh, Margaret Hogan, an 89-year-old widow who lived alone in a house on a Prussia Street, Dublin, Ireland, hey, hey, was found burned almost to the point of complete destruction on March 28, 1970. Plastic flowers on a table in the center of the room had been reduced to liquid, and a television with a melted screen sat 12 feet from the armchair in which the ashen remains were found. Otherwise, the surroundings were almost untouched. Her two feet and both legs from below the knees were undamaged. A small coal fire had been burning in the grate when a neighbor left the house the previous day. However, no connection between this fire and that in which Mrs. Hogan died could be found. An inquest held on April 3rd, 1970 recorded death by burning with the cause of the fire listed as unknown. So like, they, like it very well could have been from that fire that was left burning, but they're just like, nah. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really know that there wasn't anything other than that. It's just listed as unknown. Yeah. Um, Henry Thomas, a 73-year-old man, was found burned to death in the in the living room of his council house on the Russo estate in, why did I think I could read this? Something South Wales in 1980. <laughs> I'm just not even going to try. Um, his entire body was incinerated, leaving only his skull and a portion of each leg below the knee. The feet and legs were still clothed in socks and trousers. Half of the chair in which he had been sitting was also destroyed. Police forensic officers decided that the incinerate- incineration of Thomas was due to the wick effect, which we will get into. Okay. Um, in December 2010, the death of Michael Faraday, a 76-year-old man in County Galway, Ireland, poor Irish people, geez, was recorded as spontaneous combustion by the coroner. How old was this the doc- guy? 76. Why are they all They're old? all also pretty old, yeah. yeah, which is why, like, they go, we go into, literally right after this example, I go into, like, what could be causing it. A lot okay. of it's just, like, you dropped a cigarette, you, like, just old people it's kind of your old. fault, but it just, like, for old. some reason, it looks weird and creepy. Old people gonna old. Mm-hmm. Um... His death was recorded as spontaneous combustion by the coroner. The doctor, Kieran McLaughlin, made this statement at the inquiry into the death, quote, This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation, end quote. Though apparently uh, Faraday's body was found, like, only a few feet away from an open burning fireplace, Mm. but the coroner was just like, nah was all yeah again was just like nope this didn't do it wasn't the fire that's literally right here but who like maybe it wasn't i don't know but it seems kind of suspect yeah i mean there's a a a source of flame in all of these Mm -hmm. exactly so what actually causes shc one widespread belief says the fire is sparked when methane, a, fl- a flammable gas produced by gut bacteria. I just love the phrase gut bacteria so much. Gross. 
Mm -hmm. Builds up in the intestines and is, and is ignited by enzymes, which are proteins in the body that act as catalysts to, in to induce and speed up chemical reactions. Yet this begs the question of why there are no reported instances of, spon of spontaneous combustion in cows, because they produce they way more methane than people. And they have four stomachs. Exactly. So that's just, that's very flawed. I mean, no thinking. one's put flame next to them. It's true. But aware. this is saying that the heat is coming from within, which just doesn't um, hold water, no. ironically. Um, <laughs> It's also been suggested that the fire begins because of a static electricity building up inside the body or from an, from an external geoma geomagnetic force. A self-proclaimed expert on spontaneous human combustion, Larry Arnold, has suggested that the phenomena is the work of a new subatomic particle called a pyroton, which he says intera interacts with cells to create a mini-explosion. But as of August 2018, there's no scientific evidence. Archie's scratching. I was hoping that. that he wasn't just doing a full body dance. No, he's scratching his collar. Jingle, okay. jingle, jingle. Um, I'm going to reread that sentence yeah. just in case. Um, I also like paused Alexis. I lost you. You're frozen. So if you're on spontaneous you're human combustion. Start Larry. <gasps> oh, no. Okay. Are we good? Yeah, you're good now. Yay! I was like, oh, a no. self-proclaimed <laughs> self expert on sponta spontaneous human combustion, Larry Arnold, has suggested that the phenomenon is the work of a new subatomic particle called a pyroton, which he says interacts with cells to create a mini-explosion. But as of August 2018, there is no scientific evidence that proves the existence of this particle or spontaneous human combustion itself. If spontaneous... Spontaneous... <laughs> If spontaneous human combustion isn't real, then what's the explanation for the stories of people who have seeming, seemingly burned from within? And <laughs> I did. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, it's a good time. I like can't speak. I didn't realize that I like could barely speak until we started this podcast. Same. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's basically a struggle. Most of them when I when I edit, it's just me like taking out the the things where I've said like oh, semen probably, um, <laughs> but other things it's just like the words. When you follow like a a hard D with a with another <laughs> similar sound, it's shit. I almost did a spit. You did. <laughs> uh, like uh, uh, whoop. When I was doing the one for work, and it was, you have reached the, oh, yeah. you have reached, ch. Yeah. like, it's that, like, ch, ch. that transition's always hard, and I always fuck it up, so it took me, like, seven tries to get it right, mm -hmm. uh, just the first time, and then I had to recreate it. Those hard Ds will get you. They will. Well, not you, maybe. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say not <laughs> you, though. <laughs> Oh can you God. tell we're in a better mood this week? <laughs> I think you can. I, I hope think you can. So. <laughs> uh, hi, mom. Oh my God. Oh my God. She okay. started watching. She started listening. So oh God. I Hello. Her, I, like, I told her there were some moments that I call her out, and she's like, "What do you mean call out?" I'm like, "Oh, I do things that that I do you're things. probably not going to be proud of." Um, oh my God. She just chuckled. She'll be fine. Um, oh boy. What were we talking about? Um, oh, not being able to speak, but like. Yes. I'm just going to reread this because I forget where I left off. I'm leaving, <laughs> I'm leaving all of that in. 
Oh, please do. Especially the part about the hard D. Yeah. Um, if spontaneous human combustion isn't real, then what's the explanation for the stories of people who have seemingly burned from within? <laughs> and what really occurred in the many pictures that depict the charred bodies of alleged victims? I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> I have to take out my obnoxious laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, a possible explanation is the wick effect, which we talked about before. Mm-hmm. When lit by a cigarette, smoldering ember, or other heat source, the human body acts much like an inside-out candle. In the human body, the body fat acts as a flammable substance, and the victim's clothing or hair acts as the wick. Like an as actual the- wick. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was. I just was like, that one's named after someone. No, like a fucking hand. Oh, yeah. I should have yeah, spelled it. It's W-I-C-K. Uh, it was probably self-explanatory for people who were not my brain (laughs) as the fat fat melts from the heat it soaks into the clothing and acts as a wax as a wax-like substance to keep the wick burning slowly scientists say this would explain why victims bodies are destroyed if the surroundings are barely burned experiments have shown that this effect can produce many of the unusual characteristics associated with spontaneous human combustion such as the complete or nearly complete incineration of the body and the lack of fire damage to the victim's surroundings i pretty much just said that in a different way it's mm-hmm. fine the likely explanation for suspected cases of spontaneous human combustion then is that there is an external source of ignition a match, a cigarette, an electrical spark that sets off the wick effect, but the evidence of it is destroyed by the fire. Although alcohol doesn't make the body more flammable, severe inebriation or other forms of impairment may be a factor in some of these deaths since the victims may be unable to react to a slowly developing fire. Forensic scientist John DeHaan once watched this... (laughs) D-E-H-A-A-N. DeHaan. 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 once watched this gruesome spectacle unfold in real time to a pig anyway in 1998 in a 1998 experiment that was televised on the bbc he wrapped a pig corpse in a blanket i didn't realize it was televised i didn't notice that part when i put this in here (laughs) um uh, so it was a pig in a blanket um but it wasn't like the food um and then he lit the garment ablaze with some petrol as dahan looked on the animal's the animal's body fat liquefied, adding more fuel to the fire. By the time he put out the flames a few hours later, the slow, intense burn had converted had converted a large percentage of the pig's flesh and bones into ash. The rest of the room suffered minimal damage. Yet the dead pig's the dead pig's feet remained intact. This is consistent with reports of SHC leaving disembodied feet or hands behind. Extremities don't contain as much fat as the core of the body does. So there's like there's Less likely to, oh my god, so they're less likely to go up and smoke when the wick effect occurs. Now, how does science account for the greasy stains left on the walls and ceilings after a spontaneous combustion? Those could simply be the residue that's produced when a victim's fatty tissue was burned. It's like, apparently, it's just a thing. Did I just do fi- that yeah. part out in the other descriptions where there was grease left over? From- oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it twice. <clears throat> I did just Yeah, there's, like, there. grease on the wall, which is really gross. It's gross. Um, no one has ever conclusively proven or disproven the existence of spontaneous human combustion. Most scientists say there are more likely explanations for what happened to those who died in the cases we've discussed. Many so-called victims of SHC were smokers who probably died by falling asleep with a lit cigarette, cigar, or pipe. 
Several of them were believed to have been under the influence of alcohol or suffered from a movement-restricting disorder that prevented them from moving quickly enough to escape the fire. And that is a spontaneous human combustion. Wow. <laughs> now I'm just concerned. <laughs> I think well, of a lot of accidents that are oh really my God. random. Well, as long as you're not... Like, gonna fall asleep with a lit match or a cigarette or something. I sleep with a heated mattress pad. That's different. I think that should be fine. This is, like, also, this is, like, today's technology. I'm not also over the age of 70, which probably is a benefit to me. You're fine. Like, I I used to be terrified of space heaters in general, and then the one that Mickey gave me to borrow is, like, actually really nice. Because I'm like, oh. Today's technology has caught up. It's not like yeah, a little better. oven sitting in a room. It's literally just like a hot fan. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> it's have... not scary. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, I don't like to turn on my heat mostly because I don't necessarily need to, but it's also really fucking expensive. I live mm-hmm. at the top of the building, so all the heat yeah. rises. But I do have a little exactly. space heater and my, mm-hmm. my 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 thing with the thing, the heated mattress pad. Yeah, I also have a, a heated uh, shawl. Ooh, we have a heated blanket. I've never used it personally, but it's really comfy. I've never heated I plugged it in, mm-hmm. but it's a very comfy blanket in and of itself. Nice. That's good. My cat loves... Uh, my cat... I, I got distracted by your... Airfield. Sorry, uh, it was shaking. Um, my cat loves my heated mattress. Um, he sleeps oh, with me, but um, only to the point where I roll over on him and then he gets mad. But he doesn't sleep in the cuddle. He just is like, this is heat. I like this. This is heat. I like to think it's snuggling. Sometimes mm-hmm. he does snuggle where he'll put, like, if I lay, like, on my side and put my arm here, he'll put his head, like, in the crook of my oh, arm. Oh, that is so cute. It's really cute. But then mm-hmm. if I move, he's like, screw you. And then he balls up at the bottom of the bed just so he oh can get on the bed. Yeah, in the mornings, whenever Mick leaves for work, Archie usually comes into my room and jumps on the bed and then curls up, like, in like in the crook of my leg. Mm. It's like, and it's really cute. And he keeps my leggies all nice and warm. Yeah. He and sure he's, he's so a little cuddle buddy. He is. Well, he can be. It kind of depends. Hi, buddy. He woke up. Because you said his name. Yeah. Archie. Archie. <laughs> he's so fucking cute. We, he has a weird, like, freckles starting under his nose that was not there before it's like a random really tan freckle in a face of like darker gray on his snout that's interesting Mm -hmm. Hmm. i can see it from here hi (laughs) hi is he just like yeah yeah he's kind of tired he and i went for a short run before but the heat is making him not happy because he was starting to get his winter coat. Yeah. And now he's shedding all of it off. Right. And <laughs> so it's he's gonna, not, it's, it's, yeah. It's a vicious He's not a happy boy. He's going to get it all back when it does get yep. cold again. Oh, it's oh, global warming. Um, yeah. <clears throat> cool. We are at 87 minutes, which is not bad. Perfect. Minus all the stuff. Yeah, mine was a little shorter because I had picked this one whenever you had the really long one last yeah. time. So I, like, I very specifically picked one that was like extra short yeah not so bad. we did a good job so that's why it's pretty short <laughs> plus we had fun uh, cool yeah. all right um i think that's all for today and yeah. follow us on all the things yes um, yes the the facebook is 
S-I-T-I-C podcast. Uh, the Instagram is... Should I think, uh, should I think it's cool podcast? Thank you. It's been a while. It has, um, yeah, we didn't do it. I was like, uh, and uh, you can see our website at www.shouldithinkiscool.com. Um, and our Twitter you, is? Cool Shit Pod. Yep. Yay! Um, please follow us there. Keep mm-hmm. an eye out for uh, fun updates that uh, exist in our lives, probably. Um, uh, oh, email us stories yes. if you want to. Email us shit that you think is cool at shit I think is cool podcast at gmo.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or links to stories you think are interesting. Um, we will yeah, that check too. them out. Um, you can also submit stuff on the website. There is a page for that. Yes. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we'll read your stories on our other show, uh, Afternoon Tea. I forgot what it was called. We haven't done one in a few weeks. Um. Just like a little mini version of what we do here. Yeah, it's mostly, uh, bantering and talking about stories. We've had a couple of submissions. They've been quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I if I talked about it because I don't remember what episode it was that I, I wonder if it was the episode that didn't record. Um, the D- Dimitri, the oh I think that was in the episode that got lost. Yeah, um, another another lost episode. Um, Dimitri wrote us about his neighbor that he thought might be dead and and decomposing in his apartment and could hear music but hadn't heard anything in uh, a month. The day that he sent us his story about his neighbor possibly being dead and decomposing, uh, he found out that his neighbor had just been out of town for two months. Which could very well be because of COVID. Yeah, he probably just got stuck out of town. I mean, yeah, we did that happen trap, to one of our neighbors. Yeah, we did trap an artist here in Pittsburgh with us when mm-hmm. everything shut down. He couldn't get home. Um, but... Uh, was I going with this? Oh, yeah, the neighbor's fine. The neighbor's alive. Um, Yay! Un- uncertain why Dimitri was hearing things in his in his AirPods or yeah, that part's still weird. Playing uh, af- uh, only a month earlier in the apartment next door. Um, <clears throat> so lots of questions that he does not have answers for, but at least he's not dead. At least his neighbor's not dead. Exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. So go listen to a couple episodes back to. <laughs> to one of our afternoon teas go listen to our ghost hunting episode there probably yes. gonna be more of those because we had a lot we of had fun so much fun well i think three of us did i think i don't julia, know how much fun julia had. julia was having a little bit of an existential crisis that started <laughs> prior to our arrival there because oh no the way that it took us was through a creepy tunnel right right yeah and yeah, i hated that 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 was worse than that the was, tunnel we went to yeah, it was so much creepier too and it was like in in a in a dell and it was darker adele that's what adele is Sorry. not adele i was, I was thinking not adele of, the singer but yeah that's what i was that's um, what I was, the joke it was, I was, it was lower it was like um kind of like you ho- you happen upon it you don't like mm-hmm. you don't expect it not that like Green Man's tunnel was even any better. There's a turn, and a big fucking truck uh, was looming. Uh, whatever. We have footage of that. Um, oh, we yeah. did have. We thought we had footage of the whole night. Oh my god, I'm so pissed about that. Yeah, my camera sucks. Uh, because I bought it for something it would not work for. It was like I think 35 bucks. <laughs> so I did not have a lot of hopes for it. But I will say, and listening back to the episode when I was uh, posting it and editing it and everything. Your point to the the fact that um, the battery died mm-hmm. while we were there is 
also evidence. It is. Yeah. Exactly. I've seen enough I, ghost adventures to know that. Yeah, I didn't catch it at the time that you mm-hmm. said it. I was just like, it's just shitty camera. I'm, I mean, I'm prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that like, because it was going off, but it turns out probably less because of Green Man's Tunnel, more because Mick is haunted as fuck. Actually, actually, I hadn't thought about the the possibility of the camera not working because of uh, just like hauntedness. But it's interesting that I uh, the the bits and pieces that did record were like only a few seconds here and there, and almost none of it was whenever we were actually standing mm-hmm. by the tunnel. Everything was like before and after. Yeah. Which is super weird. Yeah. It's like that story you keep trying to tell on here and it keeps disappearing. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're not going to tell it now. Because we're, we're going to lose the episode. <laughs> We've been through this too much. We don't have time to record again. No. Um, I'm hungry. Yeah, so am I. I haven't eaten today. <gasps> oh, no. I can't finish the sentence. Mm-hmm. Tap, 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 tap. Do you hear it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm to look outside and see what's going on. Um... This is my fire escape that has no steps. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a ladder that is fabric that is what? permanently attached. It's like a, it's like an emergency ladder. What the fuck? Uh-huh. I'm going to die in a uh-huh. fire. It's basically. Yeah, it's, wait, the ladder's uh-huh. made out of fabric? The ladder is made out of, like. Is it flammable? Know. Probably. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to die. I mean, the neighbor's deck is right below. Okay. So, uh, is the deck made out of wood? Yeah. Okay. The fire escape is not um, where it actually has a grate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna die in a fire. <laughs> don't say that. Or I will escape, but only once, because I don't think that ladder will survive more than one. Probably not. Uh, instance, but um, I mean, I could jump eight feet. It's fine. I'm mm-hmm. probably just break my ankle again, but. I'll be away from the fire. Yeah. Um, conceivably. I mean, I lived at a place in Mount Lebanon where the front door at one point just, they couldn't get, no one could open the front door, even with a key. The The latch had broken within the door. Oh my God. And the, the landlords, the, the company that ran it, Lobos Management, I will call you the fuck out, uh, didn't fix it, even though like everyone in the in the building had called. 17 units in this building oh had called. God. And the only exit was the fire escape on the side of the building. Oh my God. If that fire escape was blocked, Everyone died. Mm-hmm. So, like, it it took... I, I did this at one point, and then in the middle of... Like, I was so so fucking frustrated because it had been a week. Mm-hmm. I wrote the, the contact information for the local office saying, if you need immediate assistance, contact this number. And I think enough people called that at 3 oh a.m., someone came to fix it. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was my it was my crowning team because, like, we have, I, I had called. I had mm-hmm. emailed. Other people in the building had called and emailed, and, like, no one was responding. And it was just like, fuck you. Yeah, that's harder for you. And Mm -hmm. it got fixed. Good. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. So. Um, But, yeah, so fire escapes are apparently uh, a thing in my life that will never (laughs) exist. Um, Oh, my goodness. It's fine. Um, my dad also contacted me out of the blue. I think I told you this. Yes. Um, yeah. Not out of the blue. Like we we text randomly. He bought me this computer, so I have to be nice to him. Um, but he was like, "I'm gonna. You're my power of attorney now. I need you to sign some documents." And then he was like, "Oh, we need a notary." And then he he texted me on Saturday on Sunday, and he was like, "Oh, we can't do it this week because I need to talk to a lawyer because I think he thought he could just write it mm-hmm. on a piece of paper." 
and it would be like formalized when you notarize it. But I think with the power of attorney, there's a lot more steps involved. Probably. Versus like, because he's also doing his will. Okay, yeah. I know that the process, whenever my uh, grandma got like started to fade away with dementia, I know that was really a long process trying to figure out power of attorney and all that. Yeah, my, I don't, I wasn't part of the the process when my grandma did it, but my uncle became the power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my, he's, the weird thing is my dad has gone between, like, my sister and myself. Mm-hmm. And he tells us different things each time. He'll never listen to this podcast. I will never mention <laughs> to him that this exists. Perfect. Um, but he's always like, oh, I wrote up what, what you should do with all my property. It's in this place, on this shelf written on this piece of paper blah 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 and it's just Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna remember that yeah let alone be able to find that Mm -hmm. um and so like now it's gonna be formal and it's not at all terrifying i don't know why he's chosen me to be this person Mm -hmm. but i assume it's because i can make decisions with more confidence than my sister she there you go she she struggles in candy stores Oh. oh, she's always been that one. Meanwhile, I make decisions without thinking about them. So I don't know if he's really thinking about those really. Oh my god! All that well, so I feel like he just need a combination of yeah. It's on. It's yeah. whatever decision happens. It's not just going to be me. Yeah, exactly. Because <clears throat> there's like there's a lot of factors involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this has been a lovely end to this episode. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh my god! Not to Archie end on like a fell asleep again. Like, and, like falling off of his bed. Oh, he's so cute. All right, it's time to eat, and mm-hmm. um, it's getting late because <laughs> we started this after five. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm probably just going to take out the specific times and leave the rest in because I think it's funny. But oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, so uh, remember to follow us on our social media, and you know, wear a mask because COVID. Yes, please yeah. keep wearing a mask and uh, celebrate our new president. <gasps> yes. Yeah. That's a that was a huge such relief. a relief. I can't necessarily say that I'm a huge like Biden supporter in general. Oh yeah, do the same. <laughs> in comparison to what the last four years have been, just even the fact that there are do- going to be dogs in the White House brought me to like tears on Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. Honestly, I cried the whole weekend. I completely derailed my plan to record all weekend, but like I have this weekend. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, most of this weekend, because we have a celebration to attend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, celebrate uh, our democracy and wear a mask. Yes. Do it. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. I just sent you a